You are listening to a message from Southview Church, located right outside of Nashville in Spring Hill, Tennessee. Now here's our featured sermon of the week. Let's get into the Word. Today we're in deep into Philippians. And I hope that you're getting excited about getting in the Word because what we want to do is create an environment where we get into the Word. Sometimes we can pick scriptures out. There's nothing wrong with preaching off of context of a scripture, but there's something about going through the whole book. And so going through Philippians, we're getting a taste of what Paul was saying to the church of Philippi. Paul was in jail. He was either in house arrest or he was in jail in Rome. So he's writing it from a place of captivity, but he's speaking about joy and rejoicing because something was different with this dude. Now, let me say this. We know the story of Paul. Hopefully, you know the story of Paul. Paul was a bad dude, killing Christians, had an encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus, was completely changed, and gave his life, devoted his life to the very thing he was killing. He now became the hunted. He was the one they were going after. Paul was a bad dude. And so what we know is as he writes letters, he doesn't hold anything back. How many know, we've been talking about this, how many want to hear from people that just speak the truth like no more watered down just a few of you the rest of you whatever that's okay (laughs) how many want the truth everybody put your hands up just lie that's good now the truth that's good and it shall set you think about that you just lied by saying you wanted the truth we want the truth that sets us free and it's cod's truth so we're going deep into philippians what does deep stand for discipleship Discipleship, engagement evangelism Come on now. prayer yeah that's it for so let's go to philippians 2 hopefully you have your bibles your phones philippians 2 this is our third installment of this book philippians 2 verse 12 therefore my beloved as you have always obeyed so now not only in my presence but much more in my absence work out your own salvation with fear and trembling for it is god who speaks in you and works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing. (laughs) I figured if I pause enough, somebody's going to say something. Okay, man, I guess. Do all things without grumbling or disputing that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud and did not run in vain or labor in vain, even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith. I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you should also be glad and rejoice with me. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send you, Timothy, to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare, for they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth. Now as a son and with a father, he has served with me in the gospel, said Timothy over there. I hope therefore to, I got you. I hope therefore to send him just as soon as I see it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come as well. I have thought it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill near to death, but God had mercy on him, not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager then to send him 
therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor, such men, for he nearly died for the work of Christ. He, he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. That's deep right there. Come on now. Um, before we reveal the uh, title of our message that we've been discussing yeah. all week, I will set this up. This is a very taboo subject in oh. our culture, <laughs> and it's not always welcomed when we talk about this because I will tell you right now, we're all guilty of it. So the title of our message is Stop Complaining. <laughs> Hello. I'm sure we all just complained this morning about the time change, right? <laughs> but pray for us, Pastor. <laughs> Let's pray. Lord, we thank you today for your presence in this place. And we just declare that you would be here with us through these ancient scriptures that Paul wrote thousands of years ago that today bring life to us right now. We thank you, Lord, that the life, the word is timely. And may we be men and women of your presence and men and women of your word today in Jesus' name. Amen. How many of us can say we complain? Okay, every hand better go up. How many up want to right raise their hand now. for someone next to you? Raise your hand for that. <laughs> Who sits next to a complainer? Let's see that. Oh, wow. You're willing to risk your life. Praise the Lord. We complain about our complaining. We're complaining about the person next to us. Go ahead, Leanne. All right. Keep going. Well, before we get into what the word says about complaining, I'm going to tell you what Stanford University has to say about complaining. And this is very interesting. Research from Stanford showed that complaining or even being complained to for 30 minutes or more can physically damage your brain. Complaining has been found to shrink the hip hippocampus. Did you know you had a hippocampus? The area of the brain which is for critical problem solving and intellectual thought. How many know in 2020 we all lost our hippocampus, right? <laughs> Continued complaining also rewires your brain, making it much easier to repeat this behavior in the future. The more you complain about things like flaky friends or being asked to push up a deadline, the more neutrons in your brain, they stitch themselves together so you can easily facilitate that complaining information, right? Before you know it, complaining becomes so easy that your brain, for your brain to grasp, you start doing it without even consciously thinking about it. Basically, your brain makes sure that complaining begets more complaining, sabotaging itself in the process. Now, this is from research from Stanford. This doesn't even have anything to do with what scripture says. So it shows you how powerful this topic is and what it does and it alters in our brain. And Paul, Paul was an educated man, so he said this in verse 14. He says, do all things without grumbling or disputing. The word disputing in the Greek actually references thoughts. So it's not just what you say, because you can shut your mouth, but it's what you think, and you need to train your thoughts. Think about that for a moment. That's so hard because, right, we can say, I'm going to bite my tongue. Ooh, dear, I'm going to tell you. But you have to train your thoughts. It's so interesting that Stanford, it, did you just do something right next to me? Yeah, it's okay. my complaining. Okay, I got you. Eyes. You better be careful. <laughs> 
<laughs> Actually, I better be careful. But I'm so blessed and highly favored. I would never Amen. complain about Amen. what's happening Amen. right now. <laughs> Philippians 1. We talked about this a few weeks ago. Philippians 1. Paul says this in the very beginning. He says, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. So that whether I come or I see you or I'm absent, I may hear that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind. That's the unity, right? Striving side by side for faith of the gospel and not frightened in anything by what's happening. I'm going to take context a little bit. Not frightened by anything that what's happening in your nation right now. Not frightened by the news and what took place while you were sleeping. Because when you're frightened, that's actually a way for the enemy to know he's getting a foothold. Scripture says this in Philippians. Paul actually says, when you're not frightened, it's a clear sign to your enemies of their destruction. So the central theme of Philippians is joy and rejoicing. How you respond to the circumstances is huge. Circumstances coming. In fact, 1 Peter 2, verse 22, Jesus, this is describing Jesus. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to the one who judges justly. How many of us know that we feel like we need to justify whatever's come like don't don't you talk don't you do you know i didn't uh, you know, and and jesus kept his mouth shut and he trusted himself to the one who judges justly how many of us could say we've trust the one who judges justly That's good when we were talking about this i'm like well now how do you not complain about you know you have to get it out somehow get it out. because you know, we don't want to be the people it's you like come food to from church. Last night. You got to get it out. Oh Lord, um, <laughs> we come to church and it's like, "How you doing?" And your life's falling apart, and you're like, "I right. am blessed and Ble- highly blessed favored. and highly favored, brother, sister." The Lord is my Ooh, God, and your life's falling apart. Not. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> there's a fine line between airing your concerns yeah. and the things that are going on in a safe place with the right people, but not continually going there. Right. We will move on from that thing, right? Second um, Corinthians 10.5 says, We destroy every argument and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to make it obedient. Sometimes our complaining is a thought process, right? We need to take those thoughts captive and say, to the knowledge of God, which is the word, right? What does the word say about that situation? Yes, I might be complaining because I don't feel good. I'm going through a hard time. I have this cancer in my body, whatever it may be. But the knowledge of God says, I am healed in the name of Jesus. And I can speak that. Yes, I might be going through a financial problem, but the knowledge of God says, I, he will provide all my needs in the name of Jesus. And that's what I need to take those thoughts captive and line them up to be obedient to what Christ says, right? Um, Verse four even says, if you read above Corinthians, it talks about strongholds and that's exactly what it is. It's a stronghold. Complaining can be a stronghold in your mind, in your thought, in your life, over your tongue. I mean, Stanford even said it's there. It rewires it. It changes us. So you, we have to be mindful of the strongholds and how to take the thought captives so we can overcome them. Yeah. Complaining is the hardest sin to beat. It really is. You, you know why? And I say sin because it is a sin. Scripture says it is. But it actually is. And what happened is 
in Psalms, David's writing this. He says in verse in chapter 19, who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from my hidden faults. David's saying, there's things I'm doing. I don't even realize they're wrong. So God, please have mercy on me. But then he says this, keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. That's sins that we justify. Ooh, little, I know nobody in this church lies. justifies it. No, 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 nobody lies. does that in this service. Maybe 1130, but not 10. <laughs> Let them not have dominion over me. Then look at this. Look at the context. Then I shall be what? Blameless and innocent of great transgression. Paul is referencing David's psalm. He's saying if we can be blameless and innocent by how we talk, what we justify. James 3, James gets in on this action. He says this, not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that those who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways. Which way? Tell us. If anyone does not stumble in what? What he says, he's a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. You want to work on something? Work on your mouth. You're a perfect man and you keep your mouth shut. See, many of us, we think that's a last thing. You know, if I don't kill anybody, it's been a good day. You know what I mean? There were, growing up, there was a couple songs that came out from the West Coast. You know, today was a good day. I didn't kill anybody. Like, like no, 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 no. That's, that's, you shouldn't be, don't, don't sing the song. Don't sing the song. That's before Jesus. Actually, I knew Jesus. Anyway, the point is, I listened to clean version. The point is, the point is. The point is, really. <laughs> the point is, is we think if I don't do these evil sins, I'm good. But Paul and David and James, everybody's going deep. They're saying, look, watch your mouth. Watch what comes out. Work out your salvation, Paul says. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Your salvation is free. Jesus gave it to you. You don't have to earn it. You didn't go to the cross. You couldn't die for yourself. But there is a constant dying to ourselves every day. I got to work on this. You don't just come yeah. out one day and go, I got this. I'm good. Yeah. No, we got to work on this. And newsflash, it's not just what you say, but it's also what you type. Yeah. See, Paul didn't have Facebook. He didn't have Instagram. He, he wasn't TikToking. He didn't, he didn't do those things. So, so he didn't have to worry about that. Yeah. But how many know that we may talk a good game, but we'll post anything we want. And we'll, you know, you, we'll, we'll, we'll reshare stuff. Do you know that that stuff will haunt you years later? What you put on there is essentially what you believe and what you say. And I will say when it says to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, it doesn't mean being scared of God that he's going to smite you or if you do something, he's going to strike you or bring a sickness upon you. No, fear and trembling actually means in awe and a reverence. In reverence. Like I am in awe and I reverence what the Lord is doing and who he is. I am not worthy. I I think we've lost, we've talked about this. We've lost the art of reverence. Like we are not worthy of him. We are not worthy of what he's done in our lives. And we have to get the people back to that. Yeah. That's another, you know, and honestly complaining is, is just partnering with the devil. That's really is partnering with evil. When we complain, we part, we change the atmosphere when we complain. If, if, if I had time and you would let me, I would take this half of the room and this half and split you up. And in one room, I would just, we would just encourage one another. And the other room, we'd complain about everything we could possibly think of. And at the time of 30 minutes or so, we would release you and I would visibly see which group you came out of. Can you imagine that? Some of you are like, I don't want to go. Don't make me go in that group. I'm sitting over here. How did this work? No, I'm telling you, that's the difference between discouragement, complaining, and grumbling. 
It changes the atmosphere. You cultivate something in your home and around you. And the reality is, is many times we feel like if I don't complain, then I'm justifying what's happening to myself. Let let me even say it this way. If I don't complain, then I'm justifying what's going on in our nation. Or I'm okay with what happened. I'm I'm okay with what happened because I'm not complaining about it. You don't have to air your grievances all the time. Let me say that again. We don't have to air our grievances all the time. Sometimes it's best to just be quiet and to pray. Amen. Because it has an environment. It changes us. It shifts every all environments. I, I think about the story of the Israelites, you know. They wandered the wilderness for 40 years. 40 years. And I found out in the last service that a 40-year journey actually would only have really originally taken them 11 days. Uh, my mind is like, I don't even understand Hold on, that. Let, let's pause for a moment. 11 days, 40 years. You were, you were in the desert in Israel. We were there. Yeah, yes. I don't know if you know that. I, I, we're I, driving I through a bus. It took us a few hours, 30 minutes. Looked. Right. Can you imagine for 40 years, no. wandering 11-day journey. Desert, guys. I lose my mind. 11-day <laughs> journey. It all looked the same. She doesn't want to hear me. 11-day <laughs> journey. And literally, you're like, I saw that rock last week. Like, like no. it's, it's the same insanity. It's insanity. But it but, goes back to the Stanford study that says when you complain, the Israelites complained, it caused them to lose intellectual thought. They couldn't figure out anymore where they were going or what an 11 day journey, come on. 40 years. I mean, that's some deep complaining. That is like deep. There were, there were 12 spies that went into the land to see if they could take it. 10 of them came back. Their minds were not renewed. Their minds were rewired by their complaining. They saw the enemy and they said, we can't take the land. Two of them, for some reason, kept their minds whole and they were able to say, we can take the land. I'll give you another example in the Bible. There was a man named John the Baptist. Anybody remember him? Forefronter, we know who he is. His dad had an encounter with an angel, Luke 1, Zechariah. He was just hanging out, an angel showed up. You know how profound this was? God hadn't spoke to humanity in hundreds of years. So all of a sudden, he has an encounter with an angel. Now, you think that would be a big deal. Like, oh my gosh, I'm having an encounter. God's doing something. No, first words out of his mouth when he's told that you're going to have a son. He complains. He says this, how shall I know this? For I'm an old man and my wife is, he threw his wife out. My wife is advanced in years. He throws his wife in himself. He complains about his age. Look what happens next. Gabriel says, and behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. The angel knew that if he didn't shut his mouth, he would have a hindrance on the rescue plan for humanity. That's how big of a deal it was. If I don't shut this man up, he's going to hurt the process. For many of us, the angels need to come visit us and say, (laughs) shut your mouth. Now, the opposite spirit of all this, let me give you hope. The opposite spirit of complaining is gratitude and encouragement. And I know this because I've studied this. I've studied that when I'm grateful, things change. One of the ways we talked about it this week, we're complaining about the gas. Like none of you have done at all. (laughs) How many are tired of hearing complaints about gas? We were complaining and the Lord reminded us that he has blessed us enough to be able to afford the higher gas prices. You're like, whoa, that's that's a weird way. That's called gratitude. And encouragement is is changing 
the atmosphere around someone. When I encourage someone, sometimes I speak into what I see. Sometimes I speak to what I believe is on them. It's a difference between what's in you and what's on you. We were around someone who was struggling. I know that he was having a hard time being a dad, being a husband. And I felt the Lord told me to encourage him. You are a great father and you are a great husband. And as I began to encourage him, he he began to get choked up. Why? Because I was speaking into what was on him. It may not have been in him right then, but he needed to be reminded that this is on you. You are a good father. You are a good husband. And that attitude of encouragement shifts the atmosphere around him. Some of us need to do that over ourselves, right? Yeah, you can encourage yourself. I am a good mother. I I am this. You know, we speak so many things of discouragement and complain about ourselves. And I'm going to go back to the Israelites um, and how Abraham never got to see the promised land. You know, how many of us are not getting to see things in our lives because of what we're speaking and what we're stopping? And and like Zachariah, they had to shut him up. I don't want to be shut up because I won't shut up, right? (laughs) So we have to be mindful of what we're what we're spewing because yeah. it's all going to come back on us. Yeah. And 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 the reality is is we're going to be faced with circumstances. Paul talks about this where we're going to have the uh, the understanding that I have every right to complain about this because this is a hardship. And and your suffering is not your license to complain. Now, the only reason why I can say this is Paul talks about this. He says in verse 17, he says, even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, this messes with me because there's a comma here. It's still part of the sentence. He says, I am glad and rejoice with you all. He was referencing something that many of the Israelites understood and the people of God knew. They knew that there was an offering that the priest would give, whether it was a dove or a goat or lamb. And sometimes they would pour out liquid, whether it's wine or something, on it as a drink offering. It was be in, in addendum too. And Paul was saying that I could be as a poured out as a drink offering. But really what he was referencing, because he makes this same mention in 2 Timothy 4, 6. It's the only other time he says it. He says, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering in the time of my departure has come. What Paul was saying was... I am willing to die and I'm doing it gladly as a sacrifice with you. Now, this is where it gets weird because I'm like, I'm not ready to die. Like, I like, I like having a good life. Like, I, I like living in Williamson, Murray County. I, I, I like having all the benefits we have. All the you, nice know, things. you know, we, we don't have this idea that a tank could be rolling down the street in our city. We're not threatened by missiles being launched over our head. And sometimes what could happen is in our little buckle of the Bible belt, we can get lulled to sleep. And our suffering can be minuscule compared to the gospel. Paul was saying, I'm willing to be, and listen, let me just say this. What he was referencing was the way he was going to die. He was going to be beheaded. So he was literally going to be poured out. And I think about that and I'm thinking, if Paul got this, and he's stressing this to the church. How much more so can we walk this out? That we are not afraid of death. We talked about this two weeks ago. The joy of dying. Dying to ourselves and not being afraid of death. And then last week we talked about living in Christ. Not being like Christ, but being in Christ. And all of these things compound upon themselves that we don't fear death. Because we know that death is an upgrade for us. Let me say that again, because I only got a couple of amens. Death is an upgrade for you. It's an upgrade. I don't fear death. The person that fears death can be easily manipulated. 
All you need is another pandemic to make you fear death again. All you need is another epidemic, pandemic, a problem, issue, fight, war, riot to make you run and hide. But when you know Christ and you're like Paul, I don't care what happens. I am glad and I rejoice. And then he makes mention of these two dudes he hung out with, Timothy and Epaphroditus. And you can read through it. We read through it. Timothy was like a son to Paul. And he said, there's no one else like Timothy. He genuinely cares for people. I'm going to send him to you. But it says here, he's willing to die. It don't matter. Oh, and then Epaphroditus, you want to hear something funny? The church of Philippi sent him to Paul to minister to Paul. On the way to the road, on the way to get to him, he gets deathly ill, almost dies. You think like, I'm out, man. Ministry's not for me. Yeah, like that's what I would have said. You know, maybe this is a sign. Maybe I should just work as a carpenter. I'm going to go back home. We're good. Thanks, Paul. It was good to see you. No, he says, I'm willing to go back. I don't even care. I rejoice that I got healed and I'm coming back for you. This is next level Christianity, but let me just say this. This is something that we all need to learn. And so many times we, we complain, we don't even realize it because our mind's been rewired. So I came up with something. As musicians, we have signs that we do on, on, the, on the stage to kind of indicate going to the verse or the chorus. When we go to the chorus, we give the C. I'm going I'm to let you in on a new thing. Today in the church, when you start complaining, somebody next to you has the right to just flip you the C a little bit. You've probably been flipped off many times, but not been flipped by the C. So like if your husband's complaining, you just, just, just want, you know, just like that. That's it. That's all you got to do. You know, just got like kids complaining. The worst is when your kid's going to do it to you. You start complaining on Monday and your little, little Jimmy who you think is precious he goes like this you're like oh no you didn't no you didn't and remind ourselves gotta hold fast to the word of life the word of life say word of life paul says this in context here he says philippians 2 14 do all things without grumbling and complaining that you may be a blameless and innocent children of god without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation you know we live in a crooked and twisted generation. Have you guys got out of the house and watched the news at all? Have you walked around the streets? Have you seen how crazy it's getting? Guess what? God says it's going to get worse. This is just life. But you can stick out by how you talk. Among whom you shine as lights in the world. How do we do it, Paul? Holding fast to the word of life. Holding fast to the word of life. Romans 12, 2 says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing. The what? The rewiring. Come on now, Stanford. The re- <laughs> Do you know that all these schools, all they're doing is just taking stuff from the Bible. They'd they be plagiarizing. They thought they figured it out. God said it. Paul said it to the church of Rome. You can be transformed by rewiring your mind that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God. Many of us can't hear God because our minds haven't been rewired. We're still complaining and expecting God to speak over the noise. If we would allow him to rewire our mind, I'm preaching, I'm going to step up. If we would allow him to rewire our minds, we would hear his voice so clearly. Paul knew it. He knew it before Stanford. He realized that when we complain, we change the atmosphere and our thought process. And so if we can change it back, how do we do it, Pastor Mark? We hold on to the word of God. Come on now. Some of you need to start memorizing scripture. Anybody remember a Rolodex? Let me date myself here. Anybody remember? One person. That's it. Stop, people. Help me. Rolodex. It was this thing you put on your desk and it rolled. Oh, you standing up too. And, and, And so... 
in the in the Rolodex, you put business cards and people's contact information. And so if I needed to get a hold of Jake, I would find out the I'd find the S for Sosamea. Okay, here he is, and I'd get it. Some of us need to have a Rolodex in our mind where we can pull out scripture for every possible situation I go through. Come on now. I'm talking about just pulling things out when you need it. And if you don't know a scripture, find one that ministers to you and memorize it. Get it in your spirit because you need to pull it out. That's holding fast to the word of life. Do you know that if the people in the Bible in the Old Testament would do that, some of their stories would have changed. If Moses in the wilderness with all the Israelites would have reminded them. Now, they didn't have a New Testament or an Old Testament, but they had the word that was spoken down. He could have reminded them that God in Genesis 12, God speaks to Abraham, their forefather. And he said, I'm going to give you, I'm not only going to show you, I'm going to show you and talk about the promised land that's yours. Mm -hmm. All Moses had to do was remind him, hey, our forefather was promised this land. Don't give up. I know you got a bad report, but we don't give up. If he would have reminded them of the word of life, they could have took the land. Oh, what else? Zechariah. If he would have remembered that Isaiah 40, it talks about a forerunner for the Savior. If he would have reminded himself that Abraham had a kid when he was old. All he had to do was go, let's see, Abraham had one when he was older. I'm old, so maybe God can do it again. Oh, that's way to remind yourself of the word of life. If they would have reminded themselves, things would have changed. So good. First so Peter 5, 7 says to cast our anxieties and cares on him because he cares for us. Cares much. I think a lot of us, we don't, we take these complaints and we cast them on ourselves. We cast all these things and we try to figure them out when the word says, no, cast them on me. Give them to me. And that's what, so I can complain, I can give them to the Lord, but then I leave them there because he cares for me and he's going to take care of that. Can I just talk about that for a moment? Mm-hmm. Because I think that's so key because we're not telling this church to be naive to what's going on in their life. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want you to walk around, your life's falling apart. And you're just like, man, I'm good. You know, no, that's, that's, that's not right. Sometimes we have to acknowledge the issues that are going on in our lives. We have to acknowledge the hurt, but we bring it to the Lord. We cast it on him. Mm -hmm. Casting to me, when I think of casting, I immediately think of fly fishing. I've never fly fished in my life, but I thought about it. What in the world? I thought about it. It looks cool. And, And these dudes, man, you know, Tim knows, you get these rods and you fling it as far as you can, right? That thing goes out. And that's what he's saying. He's saying, I want you to cast it as far as you can to me. It's like playing baseball with Jesus, but he doesn't throw the ball back. And what does it say about Let me say that again. Hold on. That was a great analogy. I want to, ma- I want to marinate in that a little bit. I want to marinate Go in that. Go with the baseball That was really now. good. I like that. Me and Tim were having a moment, I think. It's like throwing the ball to Jesus, but he never throws it back. You cast your cares. I can't stand what's happening in my life. Many of us, we want him to throw it back. It's like a Frisbee. We want a Frisbee, not a baseball. Okay. <laughs> I would have used the analogy, it's like a boomerang. Many of us, oh, we cast boomerang. our cares, but yeah. we know it's coming it's back. A frisbee, a boomerang, it's just let's, brown. Let's move on. <laughs> we'll work this out for the next service. Lemon <laughs> 30 going to be tight. <laughs> so I'll say what I was going to say. Doesn't uh, Jesus say he casts our sin as far as the east is from the west? Come on now. He remembers it no, no more. more. And so... We have to do that with our complaining, our anxieties, the things that trouble us. Um, So 
what we have, we're going to end this with a little um, lecture lab. Is that what you call it? I like that. You like that? You prophetic like declaration. Prophetic declaration of some sort. I'm going to have the ushers pass out some index cards, and there are pens in front of you in the chair. And what we want you to do is we want you to, we're going to have the band come up, and they'll set us a little atmosphere, a little moment. But I want you to write on these cards the, your complaints. You're, and it shouldn't be too hard because it's probably the first thing you're thinking about in your head. Now, some of us might have one, two, some might have 22, but whatever it is, <laughs> I'm going to give you um, a moment. Who needs two index cards? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm going to give you a mo Yeah, one for each kid. Wow. Um, I'm <laughs> I didn't say that I'm repeating somebody else's thing. <laughs> um, but we're going to take a moment and we're going to let Holy Spirit minister to you. And at the end of the service, we are going to toss these and we're going to give these to the complaint department. Now, the complaint department is the trash can. <laughs> so that's where they're going. But I want you to get in your head that this is a prophetic declaration we're doing. There's nothing magical going to happen when you dump it in the trash can. Maybe it will. But really, you have to take your thoughts captive. You have to do what we were talking. You have to work it out. It's a stronghold that you have to beat down and get free from. So I want you to take these moments and I want really to let the Holy Spirit um, cover you, speak to you, release to you, because in these moments there's freedom. And I know God wants to do a work. Um, a couple years ago, I struggled with um, finances. It was just always a thing for me. And I would go back to the Lord would bless and I would still have a complaint about another thing we needed, you know? And one day the Lord spoke to me and he said, Leanne, I want you to speak of this never again. And I was like, okay, what? <laughs> speak of it never again. And I'm realizing that my complaining was holding back my blessing. My complaining was releasing things over my life. The thing, the very thing I wanted was the very thing I was stopping. And some of us want breakthrough over our lives on areas, but the very thing we're speaking is the very thing holding back that breakthrough. So as you're in this moment, going to set it for you. Really ask the Holy Spirit, what is it that I complain about? What is it that I need to release in this moment? And then just begin to jot it down on that paper. And I'm going to pray. We're going to pray over these complaints. <laughs> but I want to give you a testimony that, you know, as I was thinking about this and we were preparing, I realized that um, Financial issues don't have a hold on me anymore. Like, I really have given it to the Lord. I really have released that stronghold. And I really have seen, now I feel like we joke about it all the time. I'm like, we, we have all these blessings. They keep coming. I don't know what it is. I feel like everywhere I go, it's like the Lord's working everything out. And I was reminded, the Lord reminded me, it's because you stopped complaining, Leanne. It's because you released it. Instead of complaining, I praised Instead of saying what was wrong, I said what could be right. So as you're going through and you're, you have your complaints, instead of complaining, praise. 
Instead of seeing what's wrong, see what's right. Instead of saying, this is what it is, say, no, this is what God says, right? This is what his word says, the word of life. So God, we just release these complaints. We give these cares to you because you care for us. It says your yoke is easy, your burden is light, and we tap into that, God. I pray that we would be a people that as soon as the complaints start to come on our lips, we combat it with the word of God. We say, no, this is what the Bible says. This is what the Lord says. And we combat it by the word of our testimony, knowing that, you know what? Leanne did it. She saw breakthrough. You know what? Naisha saw breakthrough. Pastor Eddie saw breakthrough. We see these breakthroughs in people's lives and we take hold of them. And I thank you, God, that you are the word of life. And you are the one that takes our cares and you cast them as far as the east is to the west, God. And we just praise you and thank you that we don't have to have this stronghold over our lives, God, but that you will break it in the name of Jesus. I pray breakthrough in the name of Jesus over these things. And I pray release of your people, God. We will be a people that praises you in the good times and the hard times, in the tough times and in the high times, God. We will let our praise be continually on our lips, Lord Jesus. Thank you for these people, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for listening to Southview Church. Southview Church is a non-denominational, multicultural, multi-generational, Holy Spirit-filled and led community. We believe that who the sun sets free is truly free. If you would like to connect with us further, check us out at southview.cc and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.